All right, let's do it. Episode 565 of the podcast. Welcome to the show. Let's get into it and talk some Knicks. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, turning, looking, see ya! Anthony for three, Showing some dexterity as well with the left hand. Oh, 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 oh. Yankees win! All right. Welcome to the show. Episode 565 of the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Um, it is Sunday night as I record. As you are listening, it's probably Monday uh, the 16th at least. Uh, but the Knicks played last night, Saturday, on their second preseason game of the of the year as we continue to prep up for the regular season. And we're going to talk about that. Um, and it's also, you know, it seems like there are good vibes right now around the, the fan base, as there should be. Um, one thing that does suck, um, so like a week or two ago, the Knicks were in search of some new, uh, the MSG team, I should say, was in search of some new broadcasters to fill in when Clyde goes down. No, that sounded dark. When Clyde, like, you know, can't do it a day or when he's sick or when he has an off day. And um, a plus is that Mark Jackson is now joining the team. Big Jackson fan, love him. Um, maybe it's a long play at head coach. But, um, and there was also rumors that uh, Van Gundy was in the mix, too. Um, but unfortunately we got news yesterday, I believe that Jeff Van Gundy will not be joining the MSG team. And instead he took a coaching job with the one Boston Celtics. Um, so that's frustrating. That sucks to not only not get Van Gundy, but to find out he's going to be on a contract for the Celtics. That really hurts. Um, can't pretend I'm like cool with that. I'm not. But it is what it is, right? Um, I love Van Gundy too. I wanted him badly here because I was obviously as a Knicks fan, he's <clears throat> you know one of their good coaches in, in the history, and I love his or loved his analysis on ESPN before they completely shut the bed this off season and fired all their good analysts but I used to love his takes um so it sucks that he won't be joining the Knicks MSG team but um <clears throat> also before the game we saw Knicks executives they were seen talking with uh Towns with Carl Anthony Towns uh it was Leon Dolan and I believe uh Rosas all kind of talking to Towns on the bench. Um, we've obviously heard the Knicks' interest in Carl Anthony Towns for a little bit. Um, 
we're going to touch on that a little later in the show. Real briefly, I like Towns, uh, but not as the guy, and you only have so much cap space and assets to use. We'll get more into that later. Um, but as far as the game goes, this was a very physical game last night where the Knicks lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves 121-112. It was a little chippy, you know, a lot of action. Uh, Josh Hart flying in the stands. Um, RJ and Nas Reed kind of getting into it a little bit. Hartenstein in there. And, um, you know, you had discount Izzy Adesanya, Anthony Edwards, and his big ego. I think he looks like him. Um you know, talking his running his mouth. It was it was a physical game, um, but you saw some good things. Uh, there was a positive start for the Knicks as R.J. Barrett went on a first quarter rampage, and he had that nice and one finish on Carl Anthony Towns off the glass. Grimes was also active early, uh, three shots in the first quarter that didn't last. Unfortunately, uh, the Knicks went up nine points at one point in the first quarter. But after the first concluded, it was only a 30-28 to 28 game. Uh, they still kept it close throughout the game. They kept it close in the second quarter. Fournier got hot. Uh, Mitchell Robinson was working on the glass. He had a couple of very nice defensive possessions by DiVincenzo. Um, the Knicks did struggle from three-point land in the second quarter. But they were getting some baskets in the paint. Uh, towards the end of the half, Anthony Edwards kind of got hot. Uh, a few baskets fall, and suddenly the Wolves went into the half up 57-54 in the Knicks. But it was competitive. The third quarter was competitive. Um, Randall knocked a few down in a row. Mitchell Robinson continued to play some great defense. Um, nice block in the third. Got a bit sloppy, but they came out of the third tied. Uh, and then the fourth quarter, it kind of got out of hand once Tibbs emptied the bench and put in the reserves. Um, the Wolves began the period, I think, with a 13-0 run, and that was that. Uh, the Knicks did cut it to three later in garbage time, but the Wolves just built it back up. Um, Deuce McBride got hot in the fourth quarter. He scored 16 points, perfect six for six from the field. Excuse me, that was cool to see. Hopefully he can keep that confidence and score more like that in the regular season, but kind of doubt that. Um... As much as I do love Deuce McBride. And so the Knicks lose 121-112. So let's give some thoughts on this game. Um, One thing I'm going to say here. Now, Dante DiVincenzo, last night, uh, you know, four points in 20 minutes. Okay, whatever. The offense hasn't come along yet in these two games. It's going to be there. That'll be there. He'll give you his nine points, ten points, more times than not, right? Knock down a couple threes. That that will come. Uh, and we've talked a lot about him and his playing time, being another guard in a, in a rotation with a lot of guards, and that's an interesting topic. But I, I just I want to touch on one thing tonight when it comes to DiVincenzo. Um, this guy seems like a winner. I mean, he is a winner. He has a championship ring. He's played with the Bucks, the Warriors. This guy's a winner. Um, very much like Josh Hart. And it's not a coincidence that Josh Hart is also a, a Villanova product. This kid makes winning plays. 
Um, if I look up every here and there, it's because I'm watching game one of the ALCS. Last night, DiVincenzo makes two dunks, uh, both coming off steals that he made to lead the transition. I, I think the second one he made was most impressive to me, where he's low in the paint. Mike Conley comes up. He retrieves the ball off the uh, Nas Reed screen. He fights through it, DiVincenzo does, goes right over it, pokes the ball loose from Conley, takes it on the break and slams it down. Um, he did that twice. Watching him play defense, how active and aggressive he is, how he uses his hands, the quick reflexes, how he's always bouncing around, stunting, then recovering, then stunting, recovering. I think Knicks fans, while maybe iffy on the signing at the moment, one, two months into it, they're going to see why this might be another deal they fall in love with. Like, they're going to buy into him like they did Josh Hart. I have a feeling we are. Um, It just, like, I feel like he's one of those guys. Last year, the Knicks, some of their biggest weaknesses, shooting the basketball and forcing turnovers. Dante DiVincenzo, his two strengths are exactly that. He addresses both of those flaws. Um, it's I'm telling you, it's that Nova impact, that Jay Wright product. Those guys just they just affect the game a different way. They make those winning plays. Even Brunson, while he's undersized, he's not known for his defense. How many times did we see him last year sacrifice his body, taking charges in the middle? Shit, Josh Hart last night made me yell at my screen because I was scared he was going to get hurt. He dove for a ball, lands out of bounds in the seats behind the baseline, and he gets up limping a little bit in a preseason game against the Timberwolves. Those guys, those Villanova dudes, they just, they have that DNA. Those types of players, the ones who make the extra effort to get you that free possession, the ones who make lemonade out of lemons, right, something out of nothing, those are the guys who play on championship teams because they make those one or two plays a night that will define the entire game. So while the, you know, the defense as a whole still concerns me a little bit, in particular it's on the perimeter where the Knicks get beat a lot or you know, opposing teams just shoot, shoot, shoot at a high volume and you know, they make enough threes to beat the Knicks. But I do think having a full year of Josh Hart and you pair that with a Dante DiVincenzo, that's going to help their defense a lot more. It's going to help them force turnovers, lead them in transition. So I wanted to get that out of the way about Dante DiVincenzo while his offense hasn't been there yet. Again, it's preseason. I don't want to put too much stock into any of what we're saying, but we are doing a podcast. So I just wanted to bring that up. That I, it, And, you know, I've heard... Um, from Warriors fans, and I, I, I've got a, I got a cousin who's uh, a big, big Villanova fan that he plays just like that. So, I, I think we're gonna like DiVincenzo. Um, I want to go to the big men real quick, the Nick big men. I want to talk a little bit about their performance and what to expect from them as soon as we return from break. So we'll head to break for a quick second, and we'll be back. In just a few. Stay with us. Be right back. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, 
Be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. So, welcome back to the show here on episode 565 of BD4. The Nick Big Men, last night there was some great, there was some ugly, uh, but mostly great. Uh, we'll break it down individually. I liked what I saw a lot from Mitchell Robinson and Hartenstein. Uh, Mitch, give you eight points, seven rebounds, and a blocked shot. Again, if I look up every minute, or you know, I might be looking up a lot. If you're watching the video edit, it's because I'm watching the ALCS game one. Um, Mitchell Robinson, 8-7-1 last night. It just, he looks very good physically. He looks very good on the court. Um, it feels like he's primed for a breakout year. If you look at his numbers, they go up every year. Um, the rebounding, 6.4 per game as a rookie. Seven per game as a sophomore, eight point one in his third season, eight point six in his fourth season. Last season he had nine point four, trending up every single year. Both of those two offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds up and up every year. He's a monster offensive rebounder. The fouls keep going down, three point three, three point two, two point eight in the last two years, two point seven per game, with minutes increasing. I I can see it. I can see where Mitchell Robinson has this breakout year where he's going to average a double-double. I would not be shocked. Um, he looks stronger and stronger every time he enters camp. I, he looked dominant last night, and he did so against two very talented big men in Gobert and Towns. Um, that chase-down block that he had on, on Towns was vicious in the second half there. Um but he was finishing inside. He was boxing out, clearing space for rebounds. And, you know, his defense down there is just so important for the Knicks because of their shaky perimeter defense. Mitch, as that last line of defense down there doing the dirty work, very important. Base hit by Seeger, of course. Could have been a Yankee, not a Yankee. Um, I loved what I saw from Hartenstein. He continues to do what I want him to do. Um... In these two games, Tibbs is using Hartenstein the way he did in the second half last year. Um, that's when he started growing on Knicks fans because Thibodeau is using him as that playmaking hub in the high post. Uh, he made such an excellent pass to R.J. Barrett last night. R.J. was cutting from the right baseline. Um, Hartenstein makes a nice pass between a couple defenders. Just a beautiful dime um, from the high post. And, you know, Reggie didn't call him the Jokic of the East for no reason. I'll just put it there. Um, I'll leave it there. I, it, you know, that's how he's going to space the floor, too. Unlike Jericho and, and Mitch, you can use Hartenstein up at the nail at the top of the key with the ball. Because defenses, when they see him with the ball up top, they're going to have to respect his playmaking ability and come up to try to stop the pass. Um, and, and I don't know how often we'll see this, but we even saw him from up top attack off the dribble last night. I think he just muscled. It was Rudy Gobert, I believe, 
to the hoop from the top of the key and he finishes. Um, that was very nice to see. But speaking of floor spacing, he did knock down a corner triple last night too. Um, listen, I'd love to have a stretch at center. I talk about it all the time. We did last episode for a few. I hope he worked on his jumper some in the offseason because if Isaiah Hartenstein can take one, sometimes two, three-point attempts a night for us, just shoot, you know, knock down one of every three, shoot 33% on a couple of attempts, that's a win for me. That'd be a win. Is that a pipe dream? Maybe. Um, I mean, he'd be doubling his attempts if he were to take two now. But when I saw him drain that three-pointer last night, I got excited and started thinking, you know, Thibodeau does emphasize the corner three ball. So hopefully we see some more of that this year from Hartenstein. Uh, and then Jericho Sims saw some more power forward action last night. I, I'm i never going to like the idea of, of dual bigs. I'm sorry, no matter how much flexibility that Thibodeau thinks he sees in that lineup, it's, it's not. Um, if you're going to do that, you got to do it situationally and, and, you know, matchups that favor that. And you can't be doing it with RJ Barrett on the floor because that's just, that's three guys who can't shoot the basketball. Well, um, it's just, it's, it's not a lineup. I want to see the Knicks try bringing him up as a DHO screener, but then the guards have issues creating. And then obviously it goes without saying that you have two big men in the paint, well, that clogs up the lanes. There's no shooting out there. There's no room to operate for a lot of the guards. Um, Josh Hart, while he's not the best option, has got to be the go-to second-string power forward. Um, is that scary? Yeah, of course. Uh, defenses could shoot over you. They can take advantage of you and, and post up with the size. But in this era, I'd much rather go small than dual bigs. Um, it just double post never makes sense to me. Not in 2023. Um, one second. RJ Barrett last night, 23 points, uh, nine for 12 from the free throw line, two steals. Um, so far this preseason, RJ Barrett, 86% at the line on 21 attempts across two games. So it seems like he's just going up with much more aggressive uh, aggression. He's going up looking to to make the basket and not going up to try and draw contact, which gets him into trouble. Uh, he's drawing contact because he's looking to make the basket, if that makes sense. He just looks a lot quicker. He looks more aggressive, and he's making some very strong drives. And if he can keep playing at this speed... Um, Altuve just misses a home run. If he can keep playing at this speed, you know, getting to the line at this rate and knocking down those foul shots like he's been so far during real games, there's the efficiency we need. That's what we need. We don't need the three ball to improve. In fact, I still want him taking less threes. He was two for eight last night. That's too much. We just need him to be efficient any way he can. And if you start getting to the line like that, and if he can be a guy who shoots 80%, hell, I'll take close to 80%. That's a win. 
He's already, I want to say, he gets to the line about five times a game. He gets about five attempts. And he's, what, a low 70% shooter? If he could, if he could just address that, shoot 75% on seven attempts, that's a big, that's a big increase in efficiency. You know? So, hopefully, he continues to build off last postseason and continues to build off what he did this past summer in the World Cup. Um, you know, he played alongside Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who is a free, tr- a free throw merchant, right? Um, so, I, it would be great. Uh, we have to see. Because RJ is, is, you know, he's RJ. Um, I will say, speaking on his jump shot, uh, he did flash that really nice mid-range pull-up in transition. Made that look easy. He had a step-back three as well last night, but I'm not taking anything from that. Um, I'm just looking at the free-throw stuff right now. I want to see if that continues to be a trend of when the games matter. Because um, I know he can get to the line. That's something he's good at. He's always been good at that. Um, so if he can build on that and become even stronger as a slasher, that's great. Um, Quinton Grimes last night, four points, two for five, 0 for three from three, 22 minutes. So still the same so far through two preseason games where he's just not really playing a big role in the offense. And that kind of sucks because you heard all of it. You know, you heard all the noise about trying to feature him more wanting Tibbs to run some plays for him. You saw him working with J.J. Redick, the compliments J.J. made on him. It's year three for Grimes. You want this to be his jump year where he makes a big leap. Um, And again, I, I don't want to keep saying this throughout the episode because it gets tiring, but it is preseason, so whatever. But so far, still quiet, not really being featured a ton. Um, also not being as aggressive as we want him to be. Pump fakes, hesitations, you could see he's for whatever reason, not being totally aggressive. Um, But it's getting me thinking, if this is something we still see in the regular season, I'm starting to think maybe we should get a look at Quentin Grimes with the second unit more. Um, We saw in the first quarter where it was, I think it was towards the end of the first quarter, they had quickly... RJ, Josh Hart, and Hartenstein outside, out there with Grimes. Um, I like that. I just feel like playing him with the bench mob will allow him way more offensive freedom. Because this way he won't be stuck playing with Brunson and Randall, who are, you know, they're ball dominant players. Sorry about that. I lost my spot um, on the notes for a second. But I was saying, you know, you play Grimes with the bench. He's not going to be stuck with two ball-dominant players. Um, You know, quickly, uh, not quickly, Brunson and Randall last year combined for a usage rate just a few ticks below 60% together. So that you're playing with that, that's going to relegate Grimes to that off-ball three and D roll, but you put him next to it quickly. 
um, a Josh Hart, and even sometimes RJ with the second unit. I think it's going to help Grimes get a lot more touches, get more shots up. Um, I, I just, I just don't think it's optimizing Grimes' upside by playing him with the starters. Um, I'm not saying you have to completely take away his starting role and put somebody else in there, but maybe stagger his minutes more. You know, maybe mix and match a lot more and start the third quarter maybe with DiVincenzo on the wing next to RJ instead of Grimes. And that's the thing. That's a big concern with, with everybody is Tom Thibodeau doesn't think like that. He doesn't do that. He's not that creative. Um, his lineups can be very robotic, repetitive, very standard and predictable, right? It's it's the same thing every quarter where these guys come in and out here at this time. These guys are going to come in here. The third quarter, that's usually the quarter where all of the starters play together. And it's, you got to toy around more. That's the concern with Tibbs. You got to go with the flow a little more. In-game adjustments. Be a little flexible. Stop being so predictable. And, and that's... That he is not, folks. Like, unfortunately, that he is not. And that might be the inevitable downfall of Tom Thibodeau with the Knicks is his lack of um, flexibility. That's been the big knock. Uh, and while we're on the topic of Tom Thibodeau, uh, this, you know, Stephen Bondy, I believe he did it, I think he wrote an article. I, I want to say it's Bondy. Um, but he, he wrote an article about the Knicks and how they should extend. Oh, the Rangers took a one nothing lead. They, um, Bondi wrote an article saying how the Knicks should extend Tom Thibodeau. Um, Tom Thibodeau's contract, ex- it expires after next season, so the summer of 25. Obviously, you're going to get from the fan base... Some who say, fuck no. And then you're going to get others who say, fuck yes. Um, It's pretty split, I would say. You know, I consider myself a Tibbs guy. Um, If he wasn't around, the Knicks are still losing 50 games a year right now. Tibbs has come in here. You can't deny that. He's changed the culture. He's put an emphasis on practicing and playing hard. He's established this winning identity by getting them into the playoffs two out of the three years he's been here. Young players have gotten better underneath him. You know, Mitchell Robinson and maybe Emmanuel Quickly are going to be the two Knicks drafted to get a second contract with the team, which does not happen often. Mitch was a second-round pick, came straight out of high school, raw prospect. The improvements he's made under Tibbs have been significant. He's now a solid starter. Defensive player of the year candidate quickly. Another second round pick, I believe he was. Sixth man of the year runner up last year. Randall was never an all-star. Comes to the Knicks, plays under Tom Thibodeau, becomes an all-star. Brunson comes here last year as a, what, 16 points per game player? Gets that to damn near 25 points per game under Tom Tibbs. So, currently... There is nobody else I want coaching this basketball team. I think he's a perfect fit for this current team. Um, But eventually, we do have to start thinking about bigger goals. Because winning a title is the ultimate goal. 
And there are downsides to Tom Thibodeau teams when regarding postseason success. Um, he's got a losing record in the playoffs. We saw him firsthand get outcoached in the playoffs both times we've been in with him. Um, especially last year, though, with Spolstra. Now, Spolstra, I know, is a, is a Hall of Fame coach, but he ran circles around Tom Tibbs. He ran circles around him. It was ugly. Um, so I do think there's a ceiling with Tibbs. I think he's a perfect placeholder coach to help you get to that next step. Um, I don't think there should be a rush to extend him. I say just let me see what these next two seasons look like underneath him. I think if we're still struggling by then to get past the second round, maybe move on. Maybe get a little younger. Maybe get a new face in here who's more progressive and can relate to the younger guys better. Um, Johnny Bryant is obviously a popular candidate among the Knicks fans. I would love that eventually. Um, but I also, again, I think the criticism on Tom Thibodeau is, is a bit unfair right now. I think just simply because the Knicks' current roster is not quite yet a championship-caliber roster or even a, a conference finals roster. Um, so until they get their big superstar player to complete the puzzle, I can't really sit here and say that a different coach would carry this Knicks team to a higher place. So I look at the roster first. And, you know, I'm, I'm saying to myself, if Julius Randle doesn't shoot 40% against the Heat and if R.J. Barrett doesn't go 1 for 10 in Game 6, maybe the Knicks make the Eastern Conference Finals last year regardless of Thibodeau's mistakes. So I think all in all, talking about extend or don't extend, I say you just play it year by year. Don't rush. There's no need to. You see what happens this year. See what you're looking like next year. And then maybe make that decision to, re, to re-up him or bring him back after that. But I don't think there's any rush. Um, I, I just... You know, I understand both sides, um, but I would prefer we just let it play out. You know, and, and if you have to risk it, then risk it and, and let it expire and then figure it out then. Speaking of uh, needing that superstar, this is the topic I wanted to get on. Um, so we'll talk about the whole Towns thing. We'll talk a little bit about Embiid. When we return, We'll wrap it up with this topic. Stay with us. Be right back here on BD4, episode 565. Stay with us. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. 
Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. All right, welcome back to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to episode 565 of BD4. Um, yeah, until the Knicks get one, uh, the, the, you know, the clickbait superstar rumors and articles, it's going to continue. Um, and recently, Carl Anthony Towns, those rumors are starting to flare up again because the Knicks played Minnesota last night. Um, there was this clickbait article, I think it was another one by Bondi, saying how the Knicks are monitoring Towns and his situation, which, of course, you're going to monitor every situation. You're a GM. Um, but, again, Knicks executives were seen chatting with Towns pregame. And I don't want the guy. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure most Knicks fans are against it. Um, me, personally, I just I think he's very soft, first and foremost. I, he doesn't play defense. Um, I've seen him struggle in the post against guards and players much smaller than him. And I just look at the guy and, and I and I ask myself, do I really see that guy outperforming a Giannis Antetokounmpo or Joel Embiid in a playoff round? I don't see that. And and the defense, yeah, it's it's not something I want on a Knicks team with inconsistent defense already. The Knicks struggle defensively on the perimeter and they're good at protecting the rim. So do we really want to remove our elite rim protector for Carl Anthony Towns? For a guy who can't rotate quick enough at the basket, for a guy who would get eaten alive in pick and roll, it would be a total disaster putting him next to Julius Randle on the front court and expecting to, uh, the Knicks to get big stops. Thibodeau is a defensive coach. Towns is not a defensive player. I know the recent rumor was that they apparently buried the hatchet. I can see that shit flaring up again, though, because just because of the polar opposites they are. Offensive-minded, defensive-minded. I, I, most of the top-notch superstars in today's game are adequate two-way players or better. They play both sides. Giannis, Embiid, Butler, KD, SGA, LeBron, AD, Kawhi, Tatum, Brown, goddamn, um, and even guys who aren't great defensively, like Curry or Jokic, aren't total liabilities on that end. I feel like Towns, especially in a Knicks lineup, would be one. That's not somebody I'm willing to pay that much of a price for. You know, I'm not paying a guy who's not a top 15 player that much money for that long. No, thank you. Um, he makes $36 million this year, but then the extension kicks in next year where he makes $50 million in 2025. Then he, mer- then he makes $54 million in 2026, $58 million in 2027, and then in the final year of his deal, he will earn $62 million in 2028 before he becomes a free agent. 
I'm not paying him that. It's Carl Anthony Towns. Not only that, but the price you're going to have to pay in assets will also be a massive overpay. And I'm not willing to overpay for Anthony Towns. Like, I'm willing to overpay for certain guys, superstars, but not Carl Anthony Towns. Picks plus young players plus one of Mitch or Randall for Towns? No. Plus that salary? No. I'm not paying that every year. No. It's just, it's insane how people are, are cool with that. Not many people, but how is anyone cool with that? I don't know. And the whole point of trading for this next guy is to bring in a guy who would be the clear-cut best player on the Knicks, right? Giannis would be the obvious number one here. Embiid would be the obvious number one option here. I'm not sure Towns is better than Brunson. And if you think he is, it's certainly not by much. Um, he's certainly not more valuable. What's Brunson making? $25 million this year? Like, I just, in a world where cap space doesn't exist, sure, I bring him in because I, I love a nice stretch five. Shit, we talked about needing one last episode. But for that price, that money, to have to trade all that, the fit, I just, no, no. Um, I'm not doing that, and I'm not talking about that because it makes me mad. Uh, as I just spent five minutes talking about it. Uh, I still want Joel Embiid. I'm keeping my eye on that whole situation between Harden and, and Daryl Morey. Hopefully that blows up and then they, they are, they're like, all right, let's just blow the entire thing up. Let's get Embiid out of here. Um, I want him. I mean, the guy is unbelievably great. He's an all-world athlete, a top five talent in the game. He's a 29-year-old superstar in the middle of his prime. Now, there are definitely concerns with Embiid, too. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it's all peaches and cream. You know, you're trading for Joel Embiid, who's not going to be your primary ball handler. You're, you're trading for a post big. Um, some would say it's it's a guard-driven league. How much impact can a center make? Um, but he's someone I, I, I take the risk for. Um, another concern, obviously, is the injury history, his durability problems. In nine NBA years, he's played four 60-game seasons, two 50-game seasons, a 30-game season, and then has had two seasons where he didn't play at all the first two years of his career. He's also missed quite a few playoff games, too. Most recently, it was the Nets and Celtics series last year where he missed time. It's, it's the knees, it's the back ankle, meniscus, ligaments, just just everything. You know, you're a 7-footer, 280-pound frame. He's only getting older. He'll be 30 in March. It's 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 a little scary there. Um, playoff concerns are another thing. He's never made it past the second round. He's had some shaky numbers in elimination games. Game 7 versus Boston last year. He and Harden fell very flat. Tobias Harris was the best one on the team last year. Um, Brunson, having developed a very solid playoff resume now, that helps. But still, you're trading all of your assets for this guy. You want him to show up and be your alpha. Um, can the Knicks afford a Joel Embiid trade? Um, they're going to have to blow it up. Right, if you're trading for Joel Embiid, 
here I am. I'm about to play couch GM, but let's let's. It's going to be five first round picks, uh, which uh, I'm good with that. The Knicks have 11 first round picks from now until 2030. Let's say they're going to flip Mitch center for center in that deal. Uh, maybe add in Fournier as a salary matcher. And then it's going to be, you know, Grimes quickly, one of RJ and Randall, depending on how many picks you give away. It's going to be a hefty price. Um, you're going to have to gut a lot of players on this team. But if you do it and you still leave your team with Brunson, Embiid, and Randall, or RJ, one of the other, I'm doing it. I'm taking that risk um, because time's ticking, man. You know, we can't keep waiting. Time is ticking. The Knicks have developed solid young talent, which is good, but it's also working against them now because that young talent is looking to get paid very soon. Randall and Brunson even are due for new deals after next season. The quickly situation, obviously we're in the middle of that right now. There are eight days left to figure it out before they have to wait until free agency. Grimes is due to get paid soon. So financially, if you start hitting those aprons under the new CBA, it makes things incredibly messy and incredibly difficult to make that star trade. So you really don't want to let this thing go further than the summer of 2024. 25 is pushing it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but the good thing is now the Knicks only need one. Right? Before it was two, now it's one. Getting what they've gotten from Jalen Brunson has been such a win because he's, in my opinion, easily a top 30 player. So you have one star. But now you need that top 15 guy next to Brunson. You need that tier 1A superstar next to him. And it's Joel Embiid that I want. Um, I, I know we can't be picky. But none of the other names at the moment really attract me or seem like they're realistic to me. James Harden, I want nothing to do with. Nor should you. That guy is toxic, to say the least. Uh, we just talked about Towns. Lillard, unfortunately, he just went to Milwaukee, which takes him and Giannis most likely out of the picture for now. Uh, Luca, obviously I take Luca, but I don't think Cuban is willing to do any more deals with the Knicks. Um, Donovan Mitchell, maybe keep an eye on that. You never know. It's still kind of lingering. The size thing in the backcourt does scare me a little bit defensively. Um, Zion, that's, I guess I take him, but I'm not really hearing a shit ton right now. Uh, and there are also health concerns with him. I just think the best option uh, of the players who are on the market or rumored is is Joel Embiid. Um, so, of course, it's risky. But any deal for a superstar is going to be risky. Yeah, it's a risk that I'm willing to take. Um, it's just a shame that he doesn't hit the free agent market until 2027. Be a much easier decision there if he was just a free agent this upcoming summer or next summer. Um, but this is where we are. So it's not the greatest spot for the Knicks and their search to acquire a superstar, but we'll see what happens. So with that said, we will head to our final break. Be back in about 10 seconds. We'll wrap it up with our trivia. Stay with us. Be right back. 
Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to episode 565 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, and MMA on occasion. You were listening to episode 565 of the podcast. I appreciate you stopping by. If you are new here, be sure to subscribe to the show and download these episodes. Share them on social media with your friends. If you want to follow me on social media, you can do that. If you want to follow along and subscribe to my blog, you can also do that. You know where to find all of that in the description of this episode. Um, yeah, let's wrap this thing up. Let's get to our trivia question. And that'll be that. All right, so for this episode, episode 565 of the podcast, how many current Knicks have multiple triple-doubles with the franchise? How many current Knicks have multiple triple-doubles with the franchise? All right, let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. One final time, how many current Knicks have multiple triple-doubles with the franchise? I appreciate it. I appreciate you all tuning in to episode 565 of the show. That'll be that for this one. I'll see you in 566. Probably talking some more Knicks. All right. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there. If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you, and we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees, and go Knicks!